just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and, as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. I think this is the thing. is The more... I think I could easily pretend to be someone else and i think this is important for everyone to hear but the problem is if you pretend to be somebody else you will attract people who are attracted to somebody else they're not attracted to you for the right reasons and the more you show up as authentically yourself even if you feel that that's really awkward even if you feel you should be someone else the more you can do it the more you will attract people who are attracted to you for who you are they're going to be pre-sold on your personality. They already know you. They already like you. They already trust what they will meet when they work with you. This episode is with my good friend, Bob Gentle. Bob is a leadership brand expert and someone who, I'm not just happy to say he's my friend, I'm really happy to follow him. I love his podcast. He has a cool Facebook group and he's a really great guy with incredible insights. And if you're not already following him, like if you like people like Chris Ducker who had on Speaking Influence a while back, you're going to love Bob as well. Bob has so many insightful things to say and a very gentle way. To me, listening to Bob is like listening to ASMR. It's very soothing. And so I hope you'll find that as well and also enjoy this conversation. Let me know your thoughts and make sure you're subscribed and enjoy this new episode of Podfluence. Welcome to Podfluence. The podcast for business coaches and professional speakers who want to build audience and authority through podcasts. Here's your host, international coach and speaker, John Ball. Well, welcome to the show. And today I'm really happy to be joined by someone who I've had the pleasure of getting to know over probably just the last six months, really. And yet it feels like so much longer because he's such a cool guy. And this is someone who is really someone who I would go to in terms of thinking about branding and launching a business and getting yourself seen in the right places. In fact, I, so much so that I do follow him on Facebook and other places as well. Let me properly introduce the show, Bob Gentle. Great to have you here, Bob. It's my pleasure. I'm really excited. I have no idea where we're going to go, but I know it's going to be fun. <laughs> it's interesting that we thought, or you thought, that you had already been on the show because we've, sp I guess, because we've spoken a lot. Yeah, we speak a lot, and we had spoken about me coming on the show, and yeah. I know you've been on mine, but I was convinced that I had, and <laughs> I think I have a couple of guests on my show, and I hope they're not listening. I've accidentally lost their recordings because the interviews were a car crash. Now, this hasn't happened for a very long time, but I thought I might have been one of those for you. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I guess I could say the same has happened to me, Bob, but yeah, I know that yours isn't going to be, and I'm glad that mine wasn't one of the ones that you, <laughs> that you accidentally lost either. But I have been looking forward to speaking to you, and I have had other guests who thought that we've recorded when we haven't before, so you're not the first. But maybe that's a good sign of that I'm more ubiquitous than I thought I was, and maybe people just have a more of an idea of, maybe I have a bigger presence than I realise. 
what I would like to ask you as we get things particularly started, and that's what I've been, uh, something I've been asking people at the start of every show, but who is somebody, maybe industry related for you, but doesn't have to be, who you particularly look up to, respect and admire for their use of influence and persuasion in, in what they do? I think there is one person who immediately springs to mind, and he's somebody that not a lot of people have heard of. He's very well known in particular circles, but it's a guy called Richie Norton. And he wrote a book called The Power of Starting Something Stupid. And he's another book coming out quite soon, which is loosely around time management and how everyone has got it wrong. But the reason I love Richie, and he has a podcast, and like I said, he's an author, is he's influential for all the right reasons. He's unashamedly authentic. If you, The first time I met him was at an event, a big event, and he was just a guy in the back of the room. And I thought, he looks like fun. He just looked like a random surfer dude had walked into the room. Now, I completely misjudged him. Thankfully, I spent a bit of time. I got to know him. And it was only after the event I realized how big a deal he was. He was the only person in the event that didn't even have to pay because he was that well connected. Oh, wow. And for me, he's kind of my social media spirit animal. He's somebody I look up at too as a really strong role model in how to be authentic and how being really authentic in as much as giving yourself permission to be yourself, not worrying about how you're coming across, that's often the most engaging. When you can meet somebody who's not worrying about the impression that they give, they've got that natural confidence and charisma. Richie, for me, he is that. I look at his content every day as my sort of north star my compass bearing as to how to show up 100 percent authentic do you think then that that is part of charisma in that scale of being able to let go of the need for people to like you or to validate you or anything like that and just say no this is it this is what you got i think it's hard but it is i think not worrying about the outcome of an engagement or a conversation but the being there to use a phrase I saw Mike Kim use recently of your content being almost a sacrificial event. It's 100% for other people. It's not for you. That allows you to approach it, content and every engagement and every relationship without any agenda. And there's a universal law that I live by, which is balance. The universe wants to keep everything in balance. So if you give unapologetically, the law of balance will take care of you. And I've found that hard to, how would I put that? Hard to trust. But I think when you meet somebody who embraces that, that's when you meet charisma. Yeah, that's definitely interesting and some nice stuff to think about and probably for us all to even aspire to. One of the things that I love talking about on my show is charisma. It's a particularly important factor for people like us, for people who have their own business and, and especially who are appearing on podcasts, hosting their own podcasts particularly. I'm wondering for you, since we are now on this show focusing much more on podcasting as the tool of influence, what first brought you to podcasting? And I'd would love to really hear more about your journey into podcasting and how that's evolved for you. I think for me, I 
when I started my podcast, I was living in the northeast of Scotland, very remote and isolated from what you would call the industry. And if you're listening on audio, I'm making air quotes. And my business was entirely built through referrals, which a lot of people would think is brilliant. But when you live in a small town, if you're depending on referrals for your business to grow, you have a natural cap on your business. You're going to struggle to scale. And I knew that content and content marketing would allow me to scale. And there's also this whole thing of, well, maybe I'll, I'll be honest. When I started my podcast, it was purely from a content perspective. I wanted to create content which would essentially build me an audience and that audience would want to hire me. Didn't work out like that initially. What happened was I started interviewing people who became role models, who I learned from. And as I learned, my business pivoted and my podcast pivoted. The podcast for me was really the catalyst of a, a learning journey. I started to learn when I started to spend time with amazing people. This whole thing of your, your income rises to the sum of the five people you spend most time with. I was spending most time with some of the most incredible people in my industry in the world on a very regular basis. So my business pivoted. And as a consequence, my business is completely transformed. It's more profitable than it's ever been. It's more productive than it's ever been. But more importantly, that, that education continues. In terms of influence, the podcast for me has been a game changer. I mean, I've gone from being somebody who nobody had ever heard of. I'm, if anybody had heard of me, probably for the wrong reasons, to walking into the room at social media marketing world and the speaker's running up to give me a hug in front of hundreds of people. And you think, what a difference a few years makes. So I can't even remember what your question was, Johnny. But <laughs> it's, I'm it's hoping really about how you, got, how you got into podcasting, like what drew yeah. you to it in the first place. So you, I think you have answered that in terms of you saw it as a, a potential content source yeah. or, or somewhere to where creating and distributing content, but it's become a lot more than that for you. I, I know that from some of the conversations that, that we've had over time, it, it, we get things like there's a certain sometimes a certain idea of it's supposed to be a certain way to be a podcast host, supposed to have a certain kind of personality. And I think maybe just us even chatting together is proof in itself that you don't have to be one particular kind of person. I, I listen to your show a lot and I really enjoy it. It's the, the Personal Brand Thank Entrepreneur you. Show. It's, it's a really great podcast. And I am very selective about the shows that I listen to. One of the things that I really appreciate it about it is it's for me it's almost like vocal asmr it's your voice is so soothing and it, there's a very chill style to it and i really like i resonate with that a lot and i'm sure a lot of other people do too but you could have easily been tempted to try and sort of ramp it up and be a bit more energized and super well but you know that wouldn't really be you i think this is the thing is the more i think i could easily pretend to be someone else and i think this is important for everyone to hear but the problem is, if you pretend to be somebody else, you will attract people who are attracted to somebody else. They're not attracted to you for the right reasons. And the more you show up as authentically yourself, even if you feel that that's really awkward, even if you feel you should be someone else, the more you can do it, the more you will attract people who are attracted to you for who you are. They're going to be pre-sold on your personality. They already know you. They already like you. They already trust 
what they will meet when they work with you. Right. So authenticity really, really works. And I think a lot of people, again, this comes down to if you walk into a room with 50 people in it, there's this very small proportion of those people who will be into you. That's just the physics of relationships. But when you're walking into a room with thousands of, or tens of thousands of people, as you are when you go out with content marketing, there's going to be a much larger number of people who are into you for who you actually are. So you can afford to show up as you, knowing that you're not going to be for 90% of people and celebrate it because the numbers work very differently. Yeah. I wonder if there's any element to which that your journey in podcasting has helped you in some ways or figuring out more like what's really authentic to you and what is your style and what does and doesn't fit for you. Because I feel for me that's very much the case and probably continues to be so. It absolutely is. I think podcasting for me is now natural. It's like breathing. I feel really, really comfortable in the host role. I continue to struggle in a solo role. I would I still struggle with solo podcasting. But bizarrely I'm now doing video content on YouTube. And that for me is painful. It, now less so, but I would urge anyone to go and look at my YouTube channel, the, the early videos. It's horrific. You can probably see a parallel to my podcast journey in the YouTube journey in that it's probably only now starting to look like it's vaguely natural and I'm enjoying it. It's, I think a lot of people, when they come to podcasting and things like personal branding, again, I'm making air quotes, they think about the personality they need to create or what do I need to present in order to persuade or, or convince people. But actually, for me, it's been much more of a process of sort of knocking off, if to use a sculpture analogy, you create a sculpture by removing, not by adding. And so the more you can take away the inauthenticity, the pretension, the faking it, the things that you've probably always done, the more you come to actually who you are. And it's just as much work on the inside as it is in terms of what you're creating to put out. And I think if you keep those in balance, it's a very healthy thing. It seems that more and more people are thinking about starting podcasts. I mean, I saw some statistics recently, which I'm pretty sure must have been asked to a very select group of people where they said something like nine out of 10 people are thinking of starting a podcast. I think mean, that can't be true. I just can't imagine that nine out of 10 people. And if, if you went and asked around Google or something like that, and that was your, your point, your, or you know, anywhere in probably Silicon Valley, and you start asking people there, probably, yeah. Or in LA, where everyone wants to be famous, yeah, probably we'll get those sorts of figures. But I think more generally, I doubt that it's anything like that high. But then also I think, well, how many people say they want to be an author and never write a book or things like that? So, so it could just be, would you like to do that? And perhaps, perhaps there are quite high figures for people who'd like to do it, but probably won't. But do you still think there is a very strong draw for people to come into podcasting now? Or do you feel that it's sort of wearing off and that people aren't so attracted to it? I actually see podcasting as still a huge growth industry. If you look at the number of podcasts relative to the number of YouTube channels, then you would have to think we've only scratched the surface of what podcasting can achieve in terms of penetration. I think what I would say is if you're looking at 
getting into podcasting as somebody who wants to build a massive audience and monetize that massive audience through advertising and things like that, you're going to have a very long journey. But if you take podcasts like mine and like yours, we're not for everyone. We're very for a very small group of people. And if that's you, there is so much opportunity in podcasting. I have clients. I'm not a podcast coach at all, but I do. My, my business is what you might call the, the leadership branding or personal branding space. And I work with people to help them cultivate their personal brand, their visibility and their authority in lots of different ways. And some of those people are working with podcasts. And even now, I have one client who has gone from zero to the number one personal finance podcast in the UK in a matter of a couple of months. And it's changed his business. So, And that's a competitive space. So yeah. with the right format and the right attitude, and the attitude is important, you can still do it. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, so much opportunity there. This is this has been one of the things that is why people will be seeing that this show is now called Podfluence rather than Speaking Influence, which it was. And speaking of influence before that, and let's not even go back to what I first called the show, which was ridiculous. But that has been an evolution in itself. But I recognize for me that even then there was some fear in niching down the target and scope of the show that I might limit myself too much in what I speak about or the appeal that it would have to other people. And yet now it, it to me, it just the direction that I'm going in with this just makes so much more sense to me, but it has taken a long time to figure out. And also for me to maybe, you know, expression, you have to kill your darlings. Like I had to be willing to let go of stuff I was doing before and, and just maybe let it die or just let it, let it seep somewhere else for a while whilst I focus on this which is where things are happening and clearly what I get excited about talking like I really love talking about the podcasting industry and I personally think it's one of the best tools available for us right now to establish thought leadership to be able to have those interesting conversations that we love to have and to be adding just substantial value to people in particular niche areas do you think niching is essential now in podcasting because i think it hasn't been before but i think maybe it might be now i would have to say why would you not want to if i think niching is a very easy thing to tell people to do but it's a very hard thing to actually do it's like eating vegetables and exercise yeah it's, everybody knows that it's a good thing but it's still hard because you're saying no to so many people that you know would be interested in you. You have a lot of value. Everybody has a spectrum of value. But to get down to the essence of who are you most valuable to and where does your fulfillment come in, that's really, really important. I think the real reason you need to niche, but this is probably more true of podcasting than with a lot of things, is you want people with a very specific set of needs to discover you. And if you, the way I, I often speak about this is in terms of a signal. A signal has various components. It has a receiver and a transmitter. So there are receivers out there waiting for your signal. They have needs. But your signal is probably too diffuse for them to really pick up. They can't notice it. That signal's not very strong because you're not really committed. And a lot of the time, the frequency is all wrong because you're never talking about it. So if you're not talking about it, 
you're not talking about it with any enthusiasm. And more importantly, you've got a very narrow bandwidth so that your signal is very clear. Mm. Then those people will receive your signal. So you need to set that beacon out into the world with a singular tone so that the only person who are going to, their heads are going to snap around are the people who just need that. This is the value of a niche. If you don't niche, you won't catch people's attention. From a business perspective, if you've got that niche, you've got one person with one set of needs, one consistent problem, and you've got one way of consistently serving them that consistently meets their needs. So you then become a very attractive proposition for them as a service provider. So, and this is the thing in a local business setting where you've got a small catchment area and you need a lot of people to say yes to you in order to make a living, you can't afford to niche. But when you're in a global market, actually, you have to niche because it's more profitable, it's more productive, it's more fulfilling, and it's easier to market because your signal is strong and clear. I like that. Yeah, definitely important to have that. And that's the only way you can really cut through the noise of everything else that's going on around. And there's a lot of it. There's a lot of noise. You mentioned that people coming into podcasting now have a big journey. And I've often said this myself, of this is not generally something you can just come into and it just works and happens. I mean, I'm sure that does happen on rare instances for some people that they just have the right thing at the right time and there's already in, in a following and it, it just hits and connects and, and does very well. But I think that's probably rare. But for most podcasters, it's a much longer journey and one that maybe has ups and downs in it. And I wonder what your own experience of that has been. I think I have a couple of perspectives on that. So most people come into podcasting because they want to build an audience, because they want, their emphasis is really on what they can get from the podcast as an audience building tool. And I think when that's the case, they're often looking at it from the wrong perspective because that was my perspective. And I feel it was a mistake to come into it with that because on that side of things generally is going to be a long game. But if I look at where has the real value been for me in the podcast yes now it's the audience now it's the recognition and the authority but for the longest time actually the real value was building relationships with people like you with people who i would look up to as heroes with most of the authors of the books on my bookshelf i can now count as friends and mentors people that i could never have accessed in any other way for me that's been the real transformation in my business it's and that is not a long game that is an immediate benefit that you can enjoy on day one because here's the thing if i wanted let's say i worked in telecoms and i wanted to sell telecom systems to big organizations i can call them up and say hi i'm jimmy from the telecoms company and they'll go ah sorry no if I call up the chief of the IT division and I say, hi, my name's Bob Gentle from the Global Telecom Show. I'd like to profile you on my podcast. He's going to say, tell me more. And at the end of that podcast interview, he's going to say, so, Jimmy, what is it you do? I said, well, I'm glad you asked it, Bert. I provide telecom systems to the world's biggest companies. Oh, wow, we have to speak. This is the immediate benefit that you can get from a podcast. Yes, it gives you content. For me, I think content is really important. The audience is really important. Yeah. 
it has to be that but trust factor as well though right i mean when people get to know you a bit like you you can't just randomly really walk up to someone unless you're a very smooth operator and just start into that hey you know this is what i do this is what i'm selling and uh, here's where you buy it and that's you know, in most cases probably not going to work or have people trying to get away from you very quickly but when you've created that relationship and given the sense of like you're not just there to, to sell you can actually just have a conversation you've broken the ice you've created almost a friend relationship there and that gives you the grounding to be able to have those potential sales or opportunity based conversations which you yeah. may never have had before that's i think another to build on that if i'm introducing myself as let's say how would i put this so at the moment if i'm comparing one potential supplier with another potential supplier one potential supplier is perfectly competent. They tick all the boxes. Another potential supplier is exactly the same. But the person offering it is from one of the leading podcasts. I go to check him out. I think, wow, they know this person and this person. They've moved from the ordinary to the unusual, to the exceptional, to the celebrity box. Now somebody's got to decide between the ordinary and the spectacular. Which one are they going to pick? Which one carries more trust, more authority? more podfluence, dare I say. <laughs> it, it's obvious which one you're going to pick. So yeah. it's it puts you in a category that's completely different from all your competitors almost immediately. You don't need to have been doing it for two years for that to be true. Yeah, I've loved that podcasting has made me braver in some ways because there are connections I will make, there are thing, actions that I will take that I will do for the greater benefit of the show that I probably wouldn't do otherwise. And uh, and that has been very powerful for me. And also, I do get these moments where I sit back and think, oh, I was quite brave. <laughs> I contacted someone who I never would have reached out to before. And maybe they come back, maybe they don't. But more often than not, they do. And sometimes they even say yes to coming on the show, as people would see from my previous guest list. I wonder for you, have there ever been any really challenging times in your podcast journey where you're like, oh, fuck this, I'm done. No, I'll be honest, I think quite the opposite. And I think this is probably what I would warn against. There's been times where it's become really easy to the point where I think I need to level up a little bit. And so there was a period, for example, when I was doing my weekly show, my show's always been weekly. It's like, you know what, this is getting really easy. I had an editor and... I really enjoyed it. I thought, you know what? I could do a daily show. And I toyed with that idea for a little bit, and I nearly did it, but I had so many people telling me, no, don't do that. Do, you've got this, just get better at the interviews, get better guests, put more care and attention into the show you've got, make it as great as it possibly could be. The same is true of YouTube, that I'm thinking it's now getting easy to the point where this doesn't really occupy an awful lot of my time. How can I make it really hard for myself again? That's probably where I struggle more. Right. Yeah, well, that, that's interesting. That's interesting to me because I think for me, it's hard to say exactly why I've kept going with the show as I have, but I am glad that I did because there have been times where I've been like, why am I doing this? <laughs> it's a lot of, it feels like a lot of effort for not always a lot of results. But when I look at some of the things you mentioned, like the network that I've built up through this, the connections that I've made, the audience that is following this show, and then for, for those of you who are and listening, 
and really appreciate you and thank you for tuning in but you don't always think about that when you're making the show because you're in you're in the process of it you're not you don't have those people gathered around you to that are watching it or that you, you don't have expectant faces suddenly walk out onto a stage to deliver a talk you know, it's, it's a very different and somewhat hermetic process i think i think what i would say is the reason I found my podcast easy is because I quite intentionally designed the podcast that I would enjoy doing. That for me, I get to speak to people that I'm genuinely interested in and genuinely curious about every single week. And there is a, a joy in that that eclipses any stress or trauma that there might be because there is stress and trauma from time to time. Yeah. But for me, the podcast is a joy and this is again an important thing that as your interest and your curiosities change let your podcast change don't feel that just because that's the podcast you started that's the podcast you have to do it's your forever show it shouldn't be the podcast is an outlet for curiosity for me and so as my curiosity and my enthusiasms and my passions change my podcast will sort of pivot and tilt to the wind so to speak Mm. it's interesting uh, you seemingly started your show with a business mindset i certainly did not and so people who tuned people who tuned into my show before will know that i started this show as a project in my toastmasters club but i had been thinking about doing a podcast for the longest time and i had done a podcast back in 2012 which didn't last very long and i always wanted to come back to it but you know, I did it completely in ignorance, just sort of thing. I didn't, had no idea how to do it other than having a microphone and that I was going to video it and put it on YouTube as well and had no idea about podcast networks. I really knew nothing much about podcasting. And so the whole learning curve was really, really steep. And I think that was probably one of my biggest challenges in podcasting because I just decided to keep going. I had fun with it. I went from monthly to bi-weekly to weekly episodes and that all evolved as well but it took me a long time to start thinking of it as something that might actually be professionally beneficial to me and worth focusing on in a business sense especially as I didn't think there was really ever going to be much chance of making money from the show because certainly a few years back you only ever heard about people getting sponsorships for the shows and you had to have very big download numbers to be able to look at those kinds of options so so you had a plan when you started that but what did that look like what did your launch plan for your show look like i think i i don't like big launches and i think like a lot of introverts i when i launched my show it was a very soft launch there was no fanfare no big launch party nothing like that it was just quietly pop it up on itunes and see what happens and that was fine and I think for a lot of people like me, they're very anxious about what people will think of them as being a podcaster. Check him out thinking he's all fancy. Well, you don't have to tell anyone. You don't have to make a big fanfare. If you design your podcast so that it brings genuine value to people who have a specific need, they'll find it. They'll find it on an Apple Podcasts on, and Spotify without you having to go ram it down their necks. So that's pretty much how I launched the podcast. Now I'm much more confident with it because I know it meets a genuine need. But yeah. back then, it was just a vanity project, really. What are some of the things that you perhaps didn't know when you started your show that you have 
that have been important for you to learn and realize on your journey? I didn't know how much I knew. I didn't anticipate, again, this is going to be true for most people, not just me, that the difference between pre-podcast Bob and the people who are sitting on the shelves of my bookshelf, only difference is action. It's not intelligence, it's not knowledge, it's not experience, it's action. And if I had, I'll tell you a story, Johnny, you will really enjoy this. I probably bought my podcast microphone four or five years before I started the podcast. That's how long the gestation period was. And I think this is why for me, action is so important now that a lot of people, they spend so much time not moving because they don't have a big plan. They don't have all the pieces in place that they never take any action at all. Because here's the thing, all the pieces are never in place, ever. Even in, I made a YouTube video today. I was looking for some content ideas and I got distracted and I started scrolling through YouTube and I came across a YouTube video. If you're listening to this at the begin, at the end of April, 2022 and Johnny Depp and uh, Amber Heard Heard are busy knocking bits of out of each other in court at the moment and Johnny Depp was asked what he thought of the Pirates of the Caribbean movie he said you know what I've never seen the Pirates of the Caribbean movie because he couldn't watch it and it reminded me of uh, something that I'd heard it was the if you're listening in the UK, you'll know who Blur are, one of the biggest bands of the 90s. And the drummer from Blur was in a room with some of his biggest fans. And the experiment was, let's see what happens when this guy listens to his own biggest selling album with some of the people who love it the most. And he admitted, you know what, I never listened to this album because all I can hear are the flaws. Mm -hmm. And if that's true of Johnny Depp and the biggest drummer from the biggest rock band in the world what chance have we got to love what we hear and express expect that we're going to see it as perfect it's going to be rubbish everybody is every artist is going to look at their own work and see only its flaws so don't wait for perfection jump into it knowing that it's always going to be rubbish you will always think it's rubbish and embrace it yeah take the action and that's where all the that's where all the magic happens that's a great thing to highlight and it was one of the things that was coming up for me when you were mentioning about your youtube stuff and some of your not so long ago youtube stuff you were describing as sort of being crap and i'm thinking well i've seen some of that and it's really not your stuff has got better but from your own perspective you look back and think oh you know what i'm a lot better at this now than i was when i started so i look back on that and think well that was crap that's where but that's where you were then but there will there will be plenty of people who would look at that and say it's not crap, Bob. It's actually pretty good because it's better than a lot. So it is really just from, from our own perspective when we look at the stuff we do because hopefully we are always growing and learning and developing and getting better at the things we do. We probably should look back and think, yeah, what I did before wasn't as good as what I'm doing now. How could it be? But you have to do that stuff to get to where you are now and from yeah. where you're going to be in the future. It's the action thing that you said. Yeah, I think that's the the price of being good is you have to embrace being garbage. That's just, that's what it costs. But here's the thing. You don't have to be good for it to work. My first podcast interviews were probably terrible, but I still got to promote the fact that 
I was speaking to this person in a podcast show to LinkedIn and people who I knew were going, you know, maybe I misjudged Bob and the phone would ring and I would have a new customer. And that continues to happen every day. Like you, I don't have huge download numbers on my podcast. They're sort of ahead of the industry norm for a show in my niche. But even though the numbers are low, it still works for me tremendously well. If I post my show on LinkedIn, for example, I can be pretty sure that somebody's going to reach out who, again, they, they might have known me for years. He's, he's a, another good story. that This isn't a podcast story, but it's a video story, but it's the same thing is true. There are people who have known me probably for 20 years. And because they've known me for 20 years, they still think of me the way they met me the first day, which was a young guy running a web design company. And yeah, I don't really rate him. Well, things have changed. But the thing is, if you never show up in people's lives, you never influence them. So I posted a couple of YouTube videos onto LinkedIn. And suddenly the phone's ringing. Two in one week, two people who in my, the city that I used to live in, these were two of the biggest, most charismatic business owners in the city, who I thought actually really didn't like me. They called me up and said, we love what you're doing. I really need to talk to you. I need your help. So I've gone from the very back in terms of being able to help them to the only person that can help them through content. Content will completely change how people perceive you. Because if you're not shaping that perception, well, what's doing the shaping for you? Their false memories, their assumptions, and what other people have said about you. If you don't control what people are thinking about you, they'll fill the gap. Yeah, um, yeah that's, that's interesting. I've often said that my earliest YouTube stuff was bad, like bad, 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 bad. Uh, and it was. I mean, I had no clue what I was doing. I was probably really inauthentic, trying to be something, someone who I really wasn't. So it wasn't very natural either. I got caught out on all that stuff. But I do remember doing a video that was like some personal development stuff. I was like, I'm just going to put this out there. I had this idea. I was really enjoying it. It was based on some stuff that someone else had shared. And I thought, let's just put it out there. And left it, probably thought nothing of it. But probably, I think something like five years later, somebody had seen that and contacted me and wanted to work with me as a client. And uh, I, you just you just never know. And so I'm thinking, compared to what I would do now on YouTube, that stuff was crap. But it still got someone's attention. It still had value to someone. And so you, we shouldn't judge ourselves all, always too harshly. You have to get the stuff out there and get connected with people and that's how you that's how you make a difference and hopefully we get better at that as we go along i mean I've, i remember it was just a couple of years ago i wish i could remember who it was like i mentioned i built my business through networking events and somebody i wish i could remember who it was told me that i'd said something at a networking event probably 20 years ago that had shaped her entire future her whole life had changed on that day. I didn't remember it at all. You cannot make any assumptions about what people will take away from what you say. And for me, there's something that's profoundly important. And it's, you and I, we both know Chris Ducker, something that he mm. said, a lot of people misunderstood, possibly including him. He says that you need to market like a magnet to attract the best and repel the rest. This is something that he's used in a couple of books, I think. But what a lot of people take from that is the attraction side of things. 
they think I need to attract the very best people. But what they don't understand is the importance of pushing away. And in physics, there's this whole E equals MC squared. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So if you want people to be strongly attracted to you, you have to celebrate actively pushing others away. And so this puts you in a very delicious space where you get to choose who you attract and who you push away. So what that means is if I'm going to be pushing people away and I'm going to be attracting people, wouldn't it be good if the people who were attractive were attracted to what's actually here? And it becomes, for, for me, that was one of the most liberating things when I understood one third of people, they're just not going to like me. It doesn't matter yeah. what I do. I can scale up my content to the point where I've got millions of YouTube subscribers. But one third of those people will not like me. So how about I make content specifically for the third that I'm really, really into? The people who like me for the right reasons. If they met me in the street, they'd still like me. And that's, I guess, why. That's what allowed me to really relax into the podcast and not feel I had to pretend to be that I was just always going to find it work to be. Mm. We have in our industry a lot of negative association with the word influencer. Maybe it's justly, maybe it's rightly <laughs> and from things that have been done and the abuse of that term over time. But I don't, I, I don't know, I've yet to be able to find out a word that works better or equally as well i think it's something that we we're just going to have to work on reclaiming and moving away from that instagram shiny influencer thing that has given in being an influencer a bad name in the past and that people are not wanting to be associated with it so if you or anyone else has better suggestions as to another word to use instead that is just as effective then i'm definitely open to that but uh, it's a uh, it is really still about becoming an influencer and we talk about you know in this show podfluence but we're talking about influence and persuasion if you're going to have influence, you have to become an influencer. You have to get yourself into a position, be a part of the conversation, be part of where people are looking to for information, be someone who is out there sharing and adding, hopefully adding and contributing to be in that. And part of that is influencing and being an influencer. I think you're right. I've also thought influencer is a difficult word to find a replacement for. And it's often misunderstood it's a little bit like celebrity and if you if i've met a couple of people who've thought who've, who've expressed the desire to become influencers and their idea of what that meant was completely different to mine the word leader for me works a little better Vid visible leadership that's probably getting closer to the meaning but it is a tough one i think This whole thing of great leaders don't tell you what to do, they show you what to do. I think this, for me, is influence. Somebody who is showing you their workings, to use the maths teacher's analogy. Somebody who's doing the work and not just talking about doing the work. And you can see that that's happening. Or thought leader is another one. Mm. I've had, when there was a brief period where I had a PR division to my company, and people would come to us and say, I want to be a thought leader, make me a thought leader. And they like, oh, okay. <laughs> what they wanted, what their understanding was, we were going to write them some blog posts and that was going to make them a thought leader. 
thought leadership is where you lead with your thinking. You express yourself. You create content. This is what creates thought leadership and has influence. So, yeah, having a large Instagram account doesn't mean you're influencing anybody. It just means you're creating an impression. It's a different right. thing. And I think you're a billboard. You're not an influencer as such. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I'm very aware as someone who's been very much in the public speaking space as well as podcasting that leadership is a huge part of the influence and persuasion thing. And that and we think about a lot of times in the show, we'll talk about things like rhetoric and we'll talk about all the different tools and aspects of influence and persuasion. And one of the most fascinating parts of me is how that is used in leadership. We see it in politics every single day leadership is essential to this and we i guess we just don't necessarily have that common connection between being someone who is a thought leader and or influencer and being a sort of more general leader there's we have different interpretations this so much of this does just come down to how do we actually understand those words and the different meanings and associations that get attached to things over time. And they change, like language evolves, things, meanings change. But to you specifically have been moving yourself away or starting to move away from being a personal branding expert to a leader brand expert. And I would like just to give you the opportunity to tell us a little bit more about why that's the game and what that means for you i think personal branding as such is the space that i've been focused on probably for the last year or so and that if you were to ask anybody what's the definition of a brand they'll tell you that a brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room it's actually quite passive it's everybody has a brand you have a brand, I have a brand, my dog has a brand. The personal brand is a passive thing. A, a leader brand is really the, where I'm leaning now in terms of my niche, so to speak, because I want to work with people who want to take that in hand. They don't want to, they don't want to leave it to chance. But alongside that, they don't want to cultivate an artificial one, which is something that I see a lot. It's very similar to the word influence now. You'll see personal brand creeping into the public lexicon as an artificial front. And I don't want to be associated with that at all. For me, personal branding goes hand in hand with personal development and actually doing the work to understand who you are in order that you present a, that you're not only presenting yourself as authentic, but that you're getting closer and closer to what that actually is in genuine terms for yourself, that there's an acceptance of who you are alongside a greater presentation of it. And this is important for a lot of reasons, that if you are running a large organization, for example, everybody's working remotely, we've got things like artificial intelligence coming down the line, virtual reality, and organizations are becoming further and further away from the people they serve but they're also becoming further and further away from the people who serve them and what that means for organizations is there's no loyalty from consumers anymore but there's also a real danger that there's no loyalty from 
your own team anymore because there's no relationship there. The ties that bind, they're all frayed and loose. And something that I'm seeing as really becoming true, and this is particularly the case through things like new privacy regulations and artificial intelligence and virtual reality, that the way that we used to connect with and connect with our customers through things like targeting and that kind of thing, it's not going to be possible anymore. And so the companies that are going to win are going to be the companies that create the strongest sense of belonging. And that's both in terms of attracting customers, but also attracting and retaining your own team. If everything else is equal, where do I feel genuinely at home? And this is where leadership and leader brand really comes in, that Mm -hmm. people need the tools and the wherewithal to show up internally and externally in ways they've never had to before. But they're also not going to be able to hide behind memos and corporate videos. They're going to need to present authentically and with a sense, with a degree of humility because this is what's going to work. And I don't know, have you seen the film Ready Player One? I have, yes. So at the end of Ready Player One, there's a huge virtual community rallying around one character to support him. And you think, why would they do that? <laughs> and it's because of the leader brand that he cultivated in that film in a virtual environment authenticity charisma mission he was clearly embracing his own hero's journey with humility it's so charismatic this is what i'm looking at with leader brand it's how to help large organizations cultivate that kind of energy for themselves so it goes way beyond personal branding it's much more about the magic in the background rather than trying to fake it in the front. Yeah. I wonder from your perspective then, where does that work really need to happen? You said about people needing to get in their own hero's journey. We talked about how like podcasting has been part of that evolution for us and figuring ourselves out and getting into that authenticity state. And how do you then go about help a business or a business owner to figure that stuff out for themselves? Here's the good thing. When you create content, everything that we've just discussed, once you start putting it out there that this is a thing and it's available and you talk about it often enough, you become known for it. And the people who need to hear about it will find you. And this is what I'd like everyone to understand. Marketing doesn't have to be about pushing things at people. It's simply setting a fire so that the right people see it. So if you talk about something regularly, if you're seen to be on a mission, if there's a passion there, the right people see it. And that's enough for me. I want to bring things back to the podcasting thing, because I think it's such an important thing to be focused on. And really, it's one of the reasons why I sort of niched the focus of this show a little bit more and want to have more conversations with people who are in podcasting to to really understand like what are they getting out of it? And why would other people want to be coming into it? How important do you think it is now for a business owner, for someone who is a business leader to be thinking about having a podcast as part of their professional ecosystem? I think it's extremely important, but I understand why a lot of people are intimidated by it because it's very, most people's reaction when I suggest a podcast is 
imposter syndrome immediately. Oh, I don't know if I could do that because I don't know if I know enough. I couldn't go out and talk to some of the smartest people in the world in my industry because it'll be quickly apparent that I don't know everything I possibly claim to. And what I would urge those people is to approach it from a very different perspective. Approach it from the perspective of being a student, about making your curiosity visible and celebrating that. I don't know that much about the leadership business space. I honestly don't. However, knowing that I want to move into talking much more about leadership in order to further my goals for leader brand, I'm going to be reaching out and connecting with and bringing on as guests experts from the leadership space in the world. So like the biggest names, but I'm going into those conversations with complete humility what my friend Neil would call asking the daft laddie questions because he was a senior policeman. So he always asked the daft laddie questions because that's what people love to listen to because those are the questions they want to hear answered because they've got the daft laddie questions too. So if you're asking the questions that your listeners want to hear, then you're pitching it right. So if you're going into it, trying to look clever, trying to look like the expert, you're going to struggle. Because your guests will always know more than you do. They're always smarter than you are. Present company accepted. Um, (laughs) But that is the right attitude to go into a podcast with. And if you go into it with that attitude, you're always going to look good. You're going to look respectful. You're going to look like the host. I mean, any TV talk show host will tell you. They're usually, they're the only person on that show that's, done nothing really other than have a talk show it's but they become synonymous with the celebrity of their guests and that's where the real value is so i get interesting perspectives from different people that i speak to and over the last couple of months i've had a lot of people who are professionals in the world of podcasting who are known in podcasting in general and also people who are very successful podcasters and rather than necessarily teaching things about podcasting and so the perspectives seem to be quite different as to the benefits and what what is the best sort of position to go to but if it was a choice for you between being a guest or being a host and you could only do one or the other which would you choose host 100 percent, because i get to choose i get to choose my journey i get to choose my story I get to follow my curiosity. If I had to choose between all of the things that have happened to me through the podcast that aren't to do with the audience, I mean, here's the thing. My podcast would have been a success if nobody had ever listened. That's the thing. And that would not be the same if I were guesting on other people's show. That's where I would come back to. Yeah. I know. I think that as, as well. I think I love being a guest on other people's shows. And I'm always fascinated to see what kind of questions people are going to ask me and that you get challenged to think on your feet. I also think it gives you opportunities to develop how you communicate. And maybe you find this is a, this is, I'm going to talk about podcast editing for a moment because it's not something that really gets talked about very much. I know you don't really edit your own show anymore. You get someone else to do that, but you have edited podcasts. And when you do edit things like a podcast conversation, you immediately start to notice how much people say 
the same kinds of things over and over again. You'll hear a lot of, you know, you'll hear a lot of like, you'll hear kind of. These expressions that get said over and over again that we're not really consciously aware of, they're filler words, they're like ums and ahs, but they're, they sound like they're part of the conversation, but they're not. And I always try to work more myself, more consciously towards having pauses and speaking more clearly than trying to, I'm sure I have plenty of those filler words still, but I try to avoid them as much as possible. So I'd rather take that pause. And I think people are still generally afraid of having those pauses, perhaps more so on a podcast, because there's this idea that it's dead air whilst you're having a conversation. But of course, it's fine. In fact, it's beneficial, I think, to have those pauses but i just wonder if there are things like that that you've picked up on through the logistical side of podcasting a, a couple one is always tell your guest how long the show is at the beginning because people will assume wildly different things i had one podcast guest who by the time we got to 40 minutes it became apparent he was he had an agenda he was telling a very particular story and he wasn't even halfway through alternatively you'll start an interview assuming that you're having a 40-minute conversation only to discover the guest had only allocated 20 minutes. And, and so that's probably the biggest thing for me. Yeah. In terms of the editing, I make sure I give people quite a comprehensive pre-flight briefing so that they're properly put at ease beforehand. I think some podcasters will sometimes, particularly with inexperienced guests roll into the show too quickly without having built up the rapport before you hit record. Yeah. Um, at the same time, if you've got a, a very, how would I put this? If it's a big name guest and you know they're a big name, don't waste 20 minutes on small talk when they, they, they've done this a hundred times. Yeah. Uh, just get into the show as quickly as possible and respect their time. Um, you, you need to know who you're talking to um, and take care over those people who need care. But if somebody's a pro, treat them as a pro and get them straight into it. Um, yeah. It's wise words and stuff that you have to sometimes figure out on the journey, but great if you have that kind of knowledge and information in advance, I think it's particularly helpful. You know, I've learned more and more on the journey how important it is to have guests feeling as relaxed as possible in the conversation, not just because it gets people to open up more, but because you actually start to enjoy the conversation a lot more when it's relaxed. And that, that doesn't always happen. You're not always going to click and gel with everybody who you speak to, some people more than others. But the better you get at that, the more likely that that's going to happen you know I, I mean just this morning i was doing another recording and started off a bit uh not cold but a bit you know, the rapport developed very much throughout the conversation and as things got more comfortable and as the guest was having more fun with the show the conversation got more engaging more more interesting and it's like okay well, i started off being like oh is this going to be a good show or not to being like oh yeah this is great this is fantastic i didn't have to worry about that so much with you bob because we we know each other but i think coming on to this thinking maybe maybe want to have a reasonable approach of perhaps every guest you should be thinking of them as like a friend that you've known for a long time 
not to be cheeky and over familiar with them you still have to be respectful and as you say with big name guests you might not really be able to do that they might actually take it <laughs> quite uh, quite personally but in most situations it probably isn't a bad approach to have just aim for the friendliness the connection the fireside chat kind of approach that like you're going for a coffee going for a beer whatever those are the kinds of conversations that can be much more fun to listen to yeah. and in my opinion anyway i think with the bigger name guests you create your connection slightly differently in my experience that most of the big name guests that i have on the show beforehand i will make sure i do my research i will at least have read an outline of their book for example if yeah. not the actual book um, and it will have had an impact and i'll make sure i tell them that so that they're in a positive frame of mind and they don't come on the show thinking, does this guy have any idea who I am? Um, so let them know they're in a friendly place. That goes a long way. Yeah. Um, there was something else I was going to say, which is a lot of people, when they're new to podcasting, they think, I'm not going to go for a big name guest. I'm going to get a few sort of... Um, easy interviews in first, so to speak, and then I'll go for the make names. My advice would be not to do that because mm -hmm. if you're, if you haven't launched your podcast yet, then people have nothing to judge you on. And the assumption will be, well, if they're inviting me, they're probably having this person, this person, this person, this person on as well. You might want to hint that that's the case. Yeah. They're far more likely to say yes. Uh, but here's the real benefit. Those people know how to be a podcast guest. So you as an inexperienced, insecure podcast host might have a far easier ride with an experienced guest. So what I would do is look at other podcasts in your niche. You'll, you'll notice they just have the same guests circling around all the time. Go and invite those people, get warmed up with them, get established with them, and then start getting creative because those people know how to behave they'll run your show for you in the first five or six interviews. Yeah, that, that's a really good idea. And I think there are more and more people who are aware of just how powerful podcasts can be for you now, not even just getting on the top level podcast, but just getting on particularly niched podcasts that are focused to the kind of audience that are relevant to them and their business is especially effective. And I think we're going to see probably a, a lot more of that as well and i know that it's gonna it's already interesting how i think it's easy now or easier now for somebody to come into podcasting and i'm gonna make this my business whereas i think perhaps around the time we would have started our shows i don't know that many people would have been coming into the thinking i'm gonna make podcasting my business <laughs> but now that's very possible it's very doable and there are clear strategies and people around to help you do that and I know wonder for you is like if if you have you ever thought about maybe being a full time podcaster and making this your your main thing? I kind of think of myself as a full time podcaster just now, but only in as much as it's something that I do all the time. Um, it, I would say it in its own right is not monetized at all. I don't have sponsors, anything like that. However. Through the audience, I have my membership community that I support. It influences an awful lot of my prospects to become customers. It impacts my retention because if 
I can't get them what they need. Where are they going to go? What's the alternative? I do look ahead and think I would like content, if possible, to become a bigger part of my revenue model, so to speak. So I would love to have the YouTube channel monetized. I would love to have the podcast sponsored. Alongside that, I'm looking at things like virtual summits, which are going to be part of the same ecosystem, if you like. What the podcast has allowed me to achieve is that I've moved away from what was an exclusively done-for-you service, where I was on the tools, doing people's stuff all the time, to now it's almost entirely consulting, advisory, coaching, that kind of stuff. So already, that's the difference it's made just in a couple of years. So project that out. The podcast will still be central to my business, but I, I don't, unless I were to start other podcasts, which is something I hadn't considered, but I've, if I were to go out now and think, okay, maybe how could I design a podcast that was designed with monetization in mind? I'd approach it differently. And I, yeah. yeah, I could probably do that. And I think I may be going to my whiteboard after this call. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have I have at least three other podcast ideas that I would love to do and just don't have the bandwidth for at the moment. But you know, some people say, what would you do if you could do anything? Would I do podcasting full time? Yeah, but I probably couldn't turn down the speaking opportunities that have come up from it. I probably couldn't turn down or, the de or I probably couldn't avoid the desire to to write i love writing my blog now i love writing content i love creating the youtube stuff i wouldn't be able to stop doing that stuff as well but yeah i absolutely love podcasting and would love to have more shows that right now i think one is enough one is about as much as i can handle right now and this is the thing of people i think a lot of people don't recognize how much work goes into this and how important it is i think i was talking with chris ducker last week and chris was uh, i said to chris that like, one of the reasons that i look at his roadmap that he has for helping people rise up through on through the entrepreneurial levels through the income levels and podcasting is not in the lower levels of that it's not one of the foundational parts of it it's, it's quite high up as he's having a book and it's that those are all things that i feel maybe i've done a bit asked about face and gone the wrong way but i'm glad i have but i also understand I would have been far better off as an entrepreneur with business thinking to have started off with those foundational things first, rather than the high level stuff that really I needed to develop into. And if, because if you've got the money and the team to be able to delegate out a lot of the grunt work, the time consuming stuff that goes into all of this, it's going to be a much easier process for you than trying to do it all yourself and do all those foundational elements as well, which is what I found. It, it's, it makes a lot of sense to me. Like, you know, I don't think podcasting is necessarily the place to start unless you're making that your business. I, I think there's no right path. There's no true path. There's no sort of one ring to rule them all. Sure. Everybody's opportunities are different. Everybody's life situation is different. Everybody's experience is different. So you leverage what you have. And I think for me, the podcast was exactly the right place to start because it was the catalyst that led to lots of other things. I think the mistake that I see a lot of people making, and I've probably fallen into this trap myself sometimes, and I think is what you're alluding to, 
is you can achieve a certain level of success, but leave out some potentially important foundational steps that later on lead to your inability to move forward significantly. Um, so you might have a great podcast, for example, yeah, but you have no product ecosystem whatsoever. So it's impossible for you to now make any money out of being very successful as a podcaster, or you might have built the most amazing products in the world. But if you have no audience, what was the point? Right. So understanding that you need to have the foundational elements in place, then you need to have the authority in, in place before you start necessarily worrying too much about your visibility and that kind of thing. Mm. And then you can worry about monetization. There is an order to these things. Yeah. Um, it is something that you will see all the time that incredibly successful businesses struggle to move forwards because they didn't have fundamental foundational pieces in place. They go back and fix those and suddenly everything's released. Yeah. Um, I think that's been a lot of my experience, even over the last six months of realizing that I had a lot of foundational elements missing and I'm still working to sort of fill, fill those gaps. But one of the challenges that I found in doing that is there's already time commitments with the podcast. So what do I do? Do I put the podcast on hold? Do I stop doing it? It's like, I'm not prepared to do that. I love doing this. I, the podcast isn't going anywhere. So I definitely want to keep that going. So I just have to live with that. <laughs> At least for now, at least for now. Yeah, where, where I make my money is actually helping people identify those gaps because the mistake a lot of people make in that situation is I have gaps, so I try and plug them all. Every possible gap, I will try and plug it. And you don't have the time. And yeah. people end up getting paralyzed and doing nothing, just carry on doing what they were doing before. When actually in most people's situation, there's just one or two places they need to focus everything will fall into place and it's actually a lot less time consuming than you would think um so yeah if anybody wants a good steer on that they can visit my website and get my personal brand business roadmap which is what i put together to help primarily myself and subsequently clients but uh, a lot of people seem to get a lot from it and it does help yeah. put some orientation in there and they definitely should. Now, I would encourage them to, to also come and, and check out your podcast because I get a lot of value personally from listening to the show. Is the name of the podcast going to change along with your rebranding or is it going to stay the personal brand entrepreneur? I don't know because there are competing priorities here. I think the the, the artwork will change a little bit in order that the leader brand logo essentially becomes visible. The... Nobody searches for leader brand. So to change the title of the podcast to leader brand might be shooting myself in the foot because it's yeah. ranking very well as it stands just in the personal branding niche of which a subset of that is leader brand. So I, I haven't fully decided on that, but I'll probably change the artwork shortly, but you will see my face all over it and you just search Bob Gentle in any podcast player. I'm easy to find. Yeah, and also you have a great Facebook group too, which I love being a part of. Yeah, again, the personal brand business dojo, I think that's called. It's good fun. I don't quite give it the love and attention that I wish I did, but I'm every day trying to do a little bit better in that. 
Um, you, you do post some great content in there, and, and I've certainly been enjoying that and enjoying those aspects of the stuff that you share. I enjoy watching your YouTube videos as well. I shall continue to follow you, Bob, because I, you, I think Brian. you're great at what you're doing. I, I, I love talking to you as well, and uh, and it isn't just because we're connected that, I, and like you're saying, I say I'm very selective about what I will give my time to to listen to and pay attention to. And to me, you are someone who is definitely someone to keep an eye on as a, a thought leader who is really starting to be more seen in terms of what you're doing. And I hope that continues to rise and rise for you. And one thing that I do want to, to ask you, what would you see your superpowers being when it comes to influence and persuasion? In terms of influence and persuasion, it's a tricky one. I would say listening is something that I know I'm good at. And I think my superpower, and this is something that has caused me some embarrassment on many occasions is actually helping other people recognize where their own is because a lot of people don't understand where their own superpower is and something that has happened to me on multiple occasions is i'll be at a table of people and they'll be telling me how confused and distressed they are by their inability to move their business forward and i'll make a suggestion and they'll start bursting into tears and and the relief that suddenly they can see a way forward. My influence is on a micro level. It's not typically on a macro level. I'm, I'm looking for having an impact as in, as in as intimate a way as I possibly can. And generally that's helping one person have a breakthrough. That for me is, it's like playing with fireworks. I just love it. Really helping other people unlock their own potential. That's what I live for. That's great. Uh, that's a wonderful superpower to have, Bob, as well. <laughs> I, I really like that. When it, to people who are wanting to connect with you, they, they'll be able to find the links to your to your website, to your Facebook group, to your podcast in the show notes. So please do go and take a look there. Whilst you're having a look around, make sure you're following the show and that you're subscribed as well. I do like to get book recommendations from my guests. And I wonder if I come to you and say, hey, Bob, what's a book that I should read or that you think everybody should be reading at the moment? What would it be? I would say there's a few. Richie Norton's The Power of Starting Something Stupid is a, a brilliant book about why you should just stop worrying about do I have enough money, do I have enough time, do I have information, do I know enough people. All of the answers to those things are no, but you need to do it anyway. Um, then there's a book called The Alchemist by Pablo Coelho, which is really a narrative illustrated hero's journey. This is what life looks like and what it's for. Um, for me, that book was really, really profound. And another one I think that's helped me tremendously is Todd Herman's alter ego effect. I am a terrible introvert. I've always been very, very shy. And before the alter ego effect, I couldn't do any of this, none of it. I had to read that book to discover the tools that would allow me to break through that and show up when it mattered. So mm -hmm. three books. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. One of them I know pretty well, The Alchemist, but the other two I definitely will be wanting to go and check out for myself. And certainly as an intro, as a fellow introvert, I am very interested in the alter ego effect. If there was one thing above everything else you most hope people will take away from the conversation we've had today, what would that be? Make it about the other person. That for me is the most important thing. That this whole thing, if people won't remember what you said to them, but they will remember how you made them feel. So, like I said, make your content almost a sacrificial gesture. It's not about what you can get. It's entirely about what you can give, both to your guests, to your listeners, and to everyone, everyone else that could encounter it. If you do that, the universal law of balance will keep things in check and you will win. Um, that, for me, is probably the most important thing. They say still waters run deep, Bob, and certainly they do seem to. Huh? Sorry, influence position superpowers, I'm thinking you know, one of yours, and maybe you don't see it as your own, is that you know, the gentle nature that you bring to things, like gentle by name, gentle by nature, but it, it's, I think it makes people need to lean in and pay attention. And it's that, that that soft voice that you just have to listen to because it's saying valuable stuff. I think that's a real strength and a great power. And I'm very glad that you do lean into it. It's been an absolute delight chatting with you today. I knew it would be. And I'm sure we'll get you back on the show again in the future. And, uh, and we'll definitely be connecting more over time. But I hope that the home listening as well has also enjoyed this uh, as much. And I look forward to hearing people's feedback about our conversation but bob thank you for coming and being my first guest on the new podfluence brand i appreciate it well it's my absolute honor and i'm sure it will be a stellar success thank you so much oh it's good to be back i hope you enjoyed the show and if you aren't already subscribed please make sure that you are subscribing and following us for future episodes next week i'll be back with a solo show and then very soon i'll be bringing you a show with the amazing lee carter and she has an incredible book about influence and how to influence in a world where facts don't matter fascinating conversation and a really incredible person as well and i know that you're going to love that conversation as much as i did if you're not already following the Podfluencer weekly newsletter, you can subscribe either in LinkedIn or on Medium. The links are in the show notes. Please do go and check them out, as well as links to everything mentioned with Bob in the show. Do come and join us in the Podfluence Facebook group. You'll find the link for that in the show notes. And if you are a podcaster looking to grow and monetize your show, well, go and check out Kevin Smidlin's podcast, Grow the Show. Again, link in the show notes and join us in the Grow the Show Facebook group. We'd love to see you there too. That's it for this week. I am super excited to be publishing episodes of the show again. And I do promise I will do my very best to be as consistent as I possibly can with getting these episodes out to you. Do you think you'd be a great guest on Podfluence? Or you know who would make a great guest? Well, do reach out to me on Facebook or LinkedIn and send me a message and let me know who you think would be a great guest and why I should have them on Podfluence. If you really want to go the extra mile, you can find the application form to be on the show at presentinfluence.com. I look forward to seeing you next time, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, go and make great things happen.